morning, everybody. How is everybody? It's going to be great to be able to meet in person next week. This next week, we're going to be outside in the courtyard, weather permitting. And uh, just give me a second here. <laughs> we'll be in the courtyard outside. So bring your own lawn chairs. If you don't have any, we'll have some chairs for you. I'm planning on bringing an easy up because I'm hoping it's going to be sunny so we can provide shade for you if you need it. Bring your own coffee. Uh, things are going to look a little bit different than our typical gathering. We are uh, probably can't do the meet and greet time in the middle of the service, not in the traditional way. And uh, for our offering, we're not supposed to pass things back and forth between each other, so we're going to have an offering box somewhere uh, nearby so you can put your offering in the box. Other than that, uh, it's going to be a good Sunday. We are here today to talk about Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17, the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, also next week, before I forget, there will be following the service in all church, just a short all church meeting, and uh, I hope you guys can attend. If you can't, we're still going to be streaming, so uh, feel free to come, but if, you don't, if you're not ready for that yet, feel free to stay home with our blessing. Uh, I know things are different now, but uh, we're going to make it through this and, and ease our way into these reopenings. In chapter 9 of Luke... We're watching the disciples and Jesus interact with each other. Jesus is really taking them to school. And uh, last week we discussed this idea as, as we're reading through the Gospel of Luke. The intent that Luke has for us, the reader, is that we would identify most closely with these, with these 12 disciples. That uh, it's God's desire that we would want to live that kind of life with Christ that they were that we would live in total dependence on Jesus, that we would follow Jesus in the way that they did. And it wasn't just for them, that life wasn't just for those 12, but it was for all who would believe. And so up until now, in, verse, in chapters 1 through 8, we've seen uh, Jesus doing all the work in the, of the mission. However, last week in chapter 9, we see Jesus uh, extend his mission to the disciples. So now Christ's mission is, is now shared with his disciples. And he did this by calling them together to himself. He gave them power and authority to preach and to bring healing. And, and then he sent them out with the message. So he, in giving them the power and authority, he, they were now a direct extension of the person of Jesus. It was a great honor. And he told them they were to drive out demons, cure diseases, just like he was doing. And then he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to bring healing into the community that they were in. They were not to preach the kingdom of Israel, an earthly kingdom, but rather the kingdom of God, a heavenly kingdom. Because Jesus was here starting something new, something different. And this, this is an early example of what church would be, Christ's vision for the church, this people called together to Christ, empowered by Christ to bring healing and deliverance into the community they were in, and then sent out to proclaim all this good news. This kingdom was not like an earthly kingdom. It had no borders. 
It was timeless. It was for all people for all time. And his instruction for his disciples in that mission was live simply, have a simple lifestyle, commit their lives to total dependence on God. And so they went out and they told people about Jesus. They told people about how Jesus heals. They told people about how Jesus has great power. They told the people about Jesus' words and his message of love and hope. And they healed people everywhere they went. These, these healings, these works that they performed, this casting out of demons were signs that gave their gospel message credibility. It empowered their message. And their simple, faithful life gave witness to what they proclaimed. They weren't doing it for money. This is something that they really believed in. They were doing it because it's real. And so the works that they did, it helped people listen to their words. And so that's this early imagery of what church is. This is Christ's vision for the church. This is the way that Christ envisions it. A simple lifestyle, not in it for the gain, taking it as a sign from God that whoever welcomes you with this message is, is right where you're supposed to be working. And then that these people were to bring healing into the communities that they were in. And all this work gives their words weight. It gives their words and their message authority. It, it empowers the message. So as they did this, as the 12 went their way from town to town to village to village, uh, word about this activity spreads. It even goes all the way up to the governor. And it, and it raises the question in the, across the land, who is this Jesus? Who is he really? And it says that the governor tried to see him for himself. And really that combination of the message and the works, it helps to raise the question of who Jesus really is. And, and that's exactly what we want to happen. And our desire, God's desire is that in hearing that and raising that question that now people would want to come and see for themselves who he really is. Now, the work of this mission, the vision for this church is, is not, is, it's, it's for all disciples. It's not just for those 12. The work of this mission is not just for the church staff or vocational ministers or overseas missionaries, but it's for all people of all the church. We are all missionaries. And the result of our mission, hopefully, is that Christ will be exalted. Isn't that our prayer? Don't we want to see Christ exalted in our land? Don't we want to actually see this in our community? Don't we really believe that and know that Jesus is exactly who the world needs right now? But the reality of this the reality of this picture, it involves people. It involves manpower. It, it has a cost to it. It costs time. It costs money. It costs personal energy. It's, it's hard work sometimes, and sometimes it's thankless work, but sometimes it's also very rewarding. And so as we get into the text today, I want you to have this in mind that the work of the mission, it, it, it costs something. It's a lot of work. It actually means time and energy, 
and, and everything else. So let's pray together before we get into the text. Father, I am compelled this morning to talk about the realities of the mission that you have for us. I pray you help our faith to grow this morning as we consider the calling you have on this church body. I pray you help us to be faithful to who and to what you would have us be working with. Guide us to the truth, Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're in Luke 9, verses 10 through 17. Follow along with me. Last week, Luke 9, 1 through 9, we were looking at the disciples being sent out, and this week is their return, okay? So we're going to pick up in verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. When they took, then he took them with him and withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. But he replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The story begins with the disciples' return and report to Jesus what they had done. And, and, and interestingly enough here, this is the first time they are called apostles in the book of Luke. So they had a, a shift, a change. They went on this mission. They, came, they were sent away, and they return as sent ones. That's what the apostles mean, is sent ones. So now they come back, they return, and they report to Jesus what they had done. And if you stop and think about all their stories that they might have told Jesus, they can start to add up. Twelve men going out, total faith and reliance on God to provide for all their needs, going with a special mission to heal people, to cast out demons, and to proclaim the kingdom of God. They must have come back with multitudes of stories. And, and I can just envision what that time with Jesus must have been like as they return to him and, and they report to him these stories of what happened, names and faces that they had in their minds. They had probably made lifelong friendships on this journey. They must have had story after story of God providing for their needs along this way. The day that they were really hungry and, and somebody came and fed them, and how good it felt to be fed and to get a drink of water when they needed one or, or to see people responding to the kingdom of God message that they were proclaiming or, or this person who had demons in them that they delivered and now they were set free in Jesus' name. 
The excitement must have been huge. The energy must have been dynamic. A mission trip like that is so formative to a disciple's life to be able to see people healed when they're prayed for, to talk, about, to, talk to people about the person of Jesus and, and the good news that he was to, there to deliver them, that Jesus was there to now lead them. I'm sure there was just a ton of energy and excitement in that group. And so they tell Jesus their stories, and, and Jesus says, hey, okay, let's, let's go on retreat together, just us. It says in verse 10 there, that says, then, they took, then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. The word Bethsaida means fishing town, and it's where Peter was from. So what I'm guessing here, what I'm envisioning here, that they were withdrawing with, from the crowds, what they were withdrawing with Jesus alone. They were going on a retreat. They're going on a fishing trip. So now the anticipation goes from reporting to Jesus uh, all the things they experienced to now withdrawing with him alone and, and, and to be refilled, perhaps, to just have this time of, of just peace and quiet. And Jesus is saying, hey, pack up the cooler, grab the barbecue, grab the fishing poles. We're going on a retreat. Grab the Frisbee. Let's take a break. But verse 11, it says, but the crowds learned about it, and they followed him. And Jesus welcomed them, and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And he healed those who needed healing. The crowds followed, and Jesus welcomed them. He didn't avoid them. Uh, These people, the crowds, sometimes have a way of getting in the way of some good plans, don't you think? Can you see it? Jesus is teaching. He's healing people. The disciples are all there dressed in their fishing getup, ready to go on this trip. They're wearing their fishing vests, their hats. They're waiting for Jesus to wrap it up, you know, and it's taking a while. It's kind of the same feeling as, hey, church is going a little bit long today, and it's football season. Is this going to get over so I can get on my way real soon? And they come up with this logical reason for this to end so that they can go and get back on their retreat. Late in the afternoon, it says in verse 12 and 13, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go into the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place. But he replied, You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. What? What was Jesus doing here? What was he trying to get the disciples to see and understand in that moment? They had just returned from a trip of doing exactly what Jesus was was doing that day. They had just been on a journey where God was working in and through them in miraculous ways. They had been out proclaiming the kingdom of God and healing people, just like Jesus was doing. Were were they missing something here? Let's continue in 13. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. 
About 5,000 men were there. Basically, we're saying, we don't have enough food to feed all these people. And, and that, that's facts. They didn't have enough food to feed all those people. But instead of sending them away to go buy food and find shelter, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And so the disciples did so. And everybody sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish that they had, and and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. I want to talk about the logistics of that scene. They're on the hillside. Outside, 5,000 men. This is minimum 5,000 men, right, that we're talking about. And Jesus says, have them sit down in, about, in groups of about 50. And then each one of you serve the groups, all right? So let's do some math, logistics here. Minimum of 5,000 people, 5,000 divided by groups of 50 is 100. 100 groups divided by 12 people, 12 men, is about eight and a third. So each disciple gets eight and a third groups of 50. I don't know if you've ever fed a large group of people. I don't know if you've ever served at a banquet. And I doubt if you have that it's been 5,000 people. But if let's just say you have. You know how hard and fast you have to work in that kind of a setting, Right? It's hard work. You know how many questions came up in that crowd as they're sitting down and as they're waiting and as the disciples are running with the food to each group? How many questions they're being asked? Maybe questions that bother them a little bit. Is this organic? Or or is this all you have? Do you have anything else? I don't really like fish and bread. But what I'm saying here is, is, is this isn't, the retreat that they were envisioning, is it? But this, on this day, this is what Jesus wanted. This is what Jesus wanted for them and for him and for the crowd. Again, the image of God and the church is expressed here. Jesus took what the disciples had. He looks toward heaven. He gave thanks for it. And he broke them. And then he gives them to the disciples to now set before the people. And they all ate and were satisfied. It took time, but they all ate and were satisfied. And then the disciples brought back what only God gives, a full basket, one for each of them. It's it's beautiful imagery here, and and I encourage you to ponder it this week. But the question that keeps being raised in my mind as I read through this is, is what do you think Jesus is doing? What is he trying to accomplish with his disciples that day? Because that's what the attention is set on, is this relationship between Jesus and the disciples. Like many miracle stories in the Gospels, There are many things to ponder in them. 
As I've looked and researched this story, some people like to think of this story as, as like a New Testament version of Israel eating manna in the wilderness. It's a story of God's provision. Uh, but the crowd here was actually capable of providing for their own needs and finding their own shelter. So I'm not sure that that's where this story was going. We could. Others see this story as an illustration of an early illustration of the Lord's Supper and the implication that but that carries. But what I see here is Jesus is teaching his disciples. They're in disciple school, and he's trying to show them some things. I think this story is about Jesus' heart for people and that he wants his disciples to also have a heart for people, to have a servant's heart. And, and that's really a different attitude than what they're used to, right? They were in a place of honor, workers for Christ, sent out for Christ, this, this place of high honor, and they knew it. And yet the Lord Jesus himself says, no, you serve the multitudes. You give them what you have. You serve rather than be served. And that even when they think they don't have enough to give, Jesus wants them to give it to him and he will make it sufficient. He's communicating to his disciples that the Lord wants our time. The Lord wants our energy. The Lord wants our schedule. And man, I see some similarities between us today and the disciples there with the crowd and with Jesus that day. I see that I want uh, uh, my life of faith to consist of being withdrawn with Jesus on a mountain alone somewhere. You know, I, I like something personal with Jesus. I like something private and powerful. You know, I'll perhaps do a few planned missional things here and there, but, but no surprises, Lord. No crowds, please. No people to interrupt my time with God. But as I read through this and I look at my faith life with the Lord, I don't know how realistic that expectation is. We are all still in disciple school. And so I hear the Lord saying to me and to us, Remain teachable. Be teachable. We don't tell God he's done with us. He decides. And no matter what our personality type is, whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, a task-driven person, or a people-driven person, people are always a priority to God. God's default is relationships. His default setting every time is relationship. And as his disciples, he tells us we need to adjust our lives to him and not the other way around. You see a need, you do something. Don't ignore it. Don't send it away. Get involved. But Lord, all I have is give it to God. Give what you have. Give of your time. Give of your talent. Give of your treasure. Here in this place, this building, this space, our set of talents and gifts is God's. Let's give him what we have. 
and see what he does with it. And since God's primary concern is people, and he wants us to join his mission for people, we need to also remember and know that he promises and will take care of his own, and he will take care of us abundantly. He will also give us what we need. But often, he calls us and tells us to give first. That's what I see in this story. That's what I sense in my spirit as, as the Lord has spoken to me about this church and the implications that this story has on our lives. For First Friends Church, this people has these, these talents we have, these gifts we have, all of our personalities, all our heart, and this place, this property, this building, these buildings, they, it all belongs to God. And it's, it belongs to God, and it's for the people of this community. I know oftentimes we want retreat, but Jesus has people he wants us to reach. We can't hand this off yet. We still have a mission to accomplish. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to withdraw with Jesus. There is a time, there is a place for retreat, but that's for him to decide. It's for him to decide where and when. And scheduled, planned out missions are a wise thing, but sometimes God will send us on a detour This is about us trusting God, trusting God with our time, trusting God with our resources, and being ready and willing to do what he wants. I like this pilgrim's pledge, and I think it's relevant to last week's story and this week's story. It says, as a pilgrim on a journey with the Lord, I am not in control. God is. And I am not in a hurry. Whatever God wants, I'm okay with. I walk with faith and hope. I greet everyone with peace. And I bring back only what God gives. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful that you have the life of this church all mapped out. That you want us to simply follow you. You have the vision for us. You have the vision for this place. You have the vision for this community. So be thou our vision, Lord. Amen. Who we are and what we have, we offer to Christ. He blesses it and he gives it to us to serve to others. And we bring back what he gives. Let me say that again. Who we are and what we have, we offer to Christ. He blesses it and gives it back to us now to serve to others. And we bring back what he gives us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Let's go be the church. Ready, set, break. We'll see you next week.